Good morning, New City. Grateful to have each of you here today. Um, Today is an all-New City family message, so Matthews and South Park and online, everybody together for one message, and I'm really grateful to be able to share it with this guy as we start a brand new series entitled Find and Follow. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want to encourage you right off the top to go ahead and make your way over to the last chapter in the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28 as we start our series Find and Follow. Yeah, today is going to be a, just an amazing, amazing day. Good to be, good to be with you yep. and certainly good for all of us as one body to be together in this way. Awesome. So in 1867... I'm going to start there. In 1867, uh, the United States purchased Alaska from Russia. And it was, of course, right after the Civil War was completed. And there was a renewed sense of manifest destiny in the United States that we can sort of do anything. And there was this old thought that there was a, just like a golf, the Gulf Stream in the Atlantic Ocean, that there was a, a thermometric gateway in the Pacific Ocean that would allow you to go over the North Pole. And so uh, a lot of popular map makers in the 19th century, Matthew Murray, uh, August Peterman, uh, they, they had drawn these maps that showed this thermometric gateway that would allow you to go from the Pacific open, uh, Ocean over the top of the North Pole and to Asia, which would have been a game changer. And so the country got behind this, right? They just, they rallied behind this common mission. And uh, the USS Jeanette was commissioned to leave uh, San Francisco Harbor uh, and to launch and to to find this geometric uh, pathway across the North Pole over to Asia uh, and to lead the way in this. And so I've got a little map here. Uh, This isn't like on your iPhone, but this was what it looked like back then in in 1867. And so this was the the map that they followed. You can see the Pacific Ocean, that little gateway that they thought would allow you uh, to find warm water and go over the top of the North Pole. So uh, a great ship, the USS Jeanette was commissioned, uh, a great uh, experienced captain, um, a a 30-man crew, and they launched from San Francisco with a bunch of fanfare. All the country was watching, and it wasn't two months later that they were stuck in ice. And they drifted for two years. And 20 of the 30 men were lost. And of course, the the mission failed. They had a great ship. They had a great captain. They had a great crew. They had tons of financing. The whole country was behind them, hoping that they could find this pathway over the North Pole and, and over to Asia. But they failed because they were following an inaccurate map. They were following the wrong map. Of course, there is no geometric gateway over the North Pole. We know that now, but they didn't know it. And they were following this map that showed it, and it led them to failure. Roddy and I wanted to start with this story because as we think about the Great Commission, these final words of Jesus that are captured in the the last few verses of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives us a map for life. He gives his people, the church, a mission to live by and to follow. Now, speaking of the Great Commission, um, you may be familiar with this, maybe you're not, but did you know that in 2018, Barna did a study that reported that only 17% of churchgoers in the U.S. know the Great Commission? Only 17%. Now, I'm not talking about memorizing it, but I'm talking about actually Know it. Now, just for a moment, let's personalize that. Let's personalize that for a moment. Not to be overly critical or, or judgmental of ourselves, but 
Do you know it? Hmm. What, about, what about those that are closest to you? Do they know it? So this means that 83% of us, 83% of people who regularly attend church don't know the final words of Jesus to his church, to those that follow him. Now, as we talk about the Great Commission, for clarity, I just want to define what commission means. Commission means an instruction, a command, or duty given to people or a group of people by someone. That's what commission, that's what commission means. Now, what do you think happens when we don't know our real purpose or mission in life? What do you think happens? If only 17% of churchgoers know this final commandment, this mission that Jesus invites all of us into, his church, we can surmise that 83% of us are operating with the wrong map. We're operating with the wrong map. And consequently, what we do is we either borrow an inferior map or we create a map for ourselves, don't we? That's like creation telling the creator, hold on, back up for a moment. I think I could do this better. That's essentially what that, what that is. It's what that is. See, if I don't know or don't follow the mission that Jesus gives to his church, then that's exactly what I'll do. I'll create one for myself, but here it is. I create or fashion one that seems suitable or right for me. That's what we do. Let me remind you of what Proverbs 14, 12 says. It says this, it says, there's a way that seems right. It seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Just like the story Chris just told, in the beginning to them, the way seemed right. It seemed right, but it ended tragically, didn't it? Now, how much more so, or how much more tragic is not knowing or following the map or the commission that Jesus has given to us? C.S. Lewis said this, he said, human history is the long and terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy, trying to find another map, another way to the purposeful life, the meaningful life. There was a song that came out years ago, many of you probably know it, it says that we're looking for love where? In all the wrong places. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's a word for that, and it's called idolatry. Substituting a good thing for the greatest thing. And we wanted to remind you today as a church that Jesus didn't give us a good commission. He gave us the great commission. So with that, I'm going to ask now that if you're able, won't you stand for the reading of God's Word as we look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20 together. The Word of God to you today. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Thus ends the reading of God's Word. You may be seated. 
So this is an interesting way for Jesus to begin his final command, this final instruction or duty to his followers known as the Great Commission. Um, he begins in verse 18, look at it with me again, comes to his disciples and says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he uses the, uh, the, the A word, not that one, but the, it's an, there's an even worse word in our culture, authority, authority. That's an interesting way for Jesus to, to start his final commandment, commission to his church by reminding us of the authority that has been what? That he took? No, that's been given. And who was it given by? God the Father. So Jesus models for us what it looks like to operate under authority. He says, I've been given authority. And with that given authority, now I'm operating in front of you for my mission. Remember, Jesus said, my mission is to seek and to save, or Luke 19, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why the Father sent me. And so Jesus begins this final instruction, this final word with a reminder of the authority that's been given to him by the Father. Now, this is important because authority empowers us to go and act on that same authority in that mission out into the world, that you're not acting on your own authority, your own desires and thoughts, you're acting on the authority that's been given to you. Now, culturally, this is important to note here in this passage, very, very rich teaching here. Culturally, we operate based on this idea that, that we have authority and, and that from within ourselves, we have authority and that we can look within ourselves and we can conjure up this authority to, to live our life by. And ultimately, we are the final authority of our lives. Anybody with me on that? So we live in a very uh, autonomous, individualistic culture that says, I am, and, and, and there's no other. And so if it feels good, if, if, if I think it's right, then, then I'm my own authority. And that's why this has become almost a cuss word in our culture, this word authority. And I don't, I don't want to be under authority. I mean, I, even when I say that word, I wonder how it hits you, authority. And yet... Jesus says, this is not only the safest place on earth to be, but the missional place to be is under the authority of God. It's, it's where we live and move and have our being is operating under the authority and the lordship of Jesus. I love uh, Tim Keller and one of his stories about authority. He says, after church one day in preaching, um, Tim pastored a, a church in New York City for years and years. And he said a couple came up to him and said, hey, you know, we're, we're living together. We're not married we're, and shared a bunch of other things. And we just wanted to make sure with you as our pastor that all that was okay. Uh, and Tim, he said, oh, yeah, I, absolutely. You know, if the resurrection never happened, you're good. <laughs> and, and it's not about one particular sin or shortcoming, but the point that Tim was making is, that the proof of the authority of Jesus is the resurrection. And if we believe as, as we do as Christians, we're people of the resurrection, we live in light of the resurrection, that God has given Jesus all authority over all creation. Remember John chapter one? Uh, John says, in Jesus, everything in the world was made. 
And there's nothing in the world that exists that didn't come through the hands of Jesus. Now, here's what's really cool. And you've probably thought about this before, but when you look at that word authority, I hope you'll never see this word again without seeing the word author. The root word for authority is the word author. Now, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we know that, again, everything, John chapter 1, in the world was made through him, including us. And so the author has a right to have authority over the things that he has created and to order them rightly. In other words, the author writes the instruction manual for life. And when the creation looks at the creator and says, no, 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 I, I, I got this, as Rodney said. I got this and I can write my own instruction manual. Take a look around at culture in the world and that's what you get. We're getting ready to start a series this fall on the book of Judges. And the final verse in the book of Judges is, in those days, everyone did what was right in there and some things don't change. It's the original sin in Genesis chapter three comes back to this word, authority. They thought they could be like God and have authorship of their life. And in a a world and a culture that is awash and I'm my own person, I can write my own destiny, I look from within to get my authority and my mission in life. Jesus says, no, authority is given. It's given from uh, from the Father to Jesus the Son, and now Jesus gives it to us as his followers to operate in his mission. Uh, John chapter 13 says it this way, the the night we're going to celebrate the Lord's table today across our campuses. And as we come to the table, we think about this moment where Jesus instituted the table as a reminder, as a celebration of his grace and his love, his mercy to us. And John chapter 13 reminds us that Jesus knew that all the authority uh, that he he had was given from the the Father. And he had all authority over everything. And he knew, I love this, he knew, look at John 13, 3. He knew where he had come from and where he would go. What a gift in life. I know whose I am and who I am. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. What a gift. Jesus knew that and now he offers it to us, the church, to know where you come from, who made you, where you're going, and by whose authority you operate and live in life. Final thing on this as we think about unpacking this first verse today and opening the series. Augustine, who was a great theologian, um, writer in the fourth century, a great gift to the church. Augustine said, all sin, think about all of our brokenness, whatever your, your go-to sins are, the, whatever the, the struggles that you may even bring into the room this morning, He said, all sin, Augustine did, he said, all sin is a failure to submit. All sin is a failure to submit. And we don't like that word either, submit. But really what he was saying is all sin is a failure to see Jesus as king. And that the king who has a kingdom has a, a right, an authorship over our life to order us and structure our life and to tell us what is best for life. And as Rodney reminded us, C.S. Lewis said, human history and human, the, the present history that we're living in is the, the long and sad story of all of us trying to find a, a better way to the good life than through Jesus. But Jesus says, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. And it starts with his authority and, and us living underneath that. 
um, there's different things in our culture that, that, that point us to authority and understanding that and, and our innate desire to live in the safety and the protection of governance and authority. One of them is the military. And you know, for Rodney and I, we both took commissions into the military and we, we both were reminded very quickly under whose authority we operate under. And both of us have stories of, of not operating under that authority and reminded very quickly what the, what the founding mission of our country is and what we were there to serve and, and protect, right? Did you ever get reminded of whose authority? Oh, man, you're under? did I? Listen, I, this is a safe space, right? So I'd never forget. I, I, was, I was 17 years old and I'm at my first duty station and we were supposed to keep our ID in our left front pocket all the time. So we get this surprise inspection and lo and behold, I don't have my ID on me. So my, my officer at the time says, great, go get your ID. So I'm running to my room, I'm looking through my room and I'm frantic. I have no idea where my, where my ID is. And then I hear uh, the countdown that made my heartbeat shoot up. I heard five, four, three, so I'm scrambling. I get back out to where I'm supposed to be. I don't have my ID with mm. me. Now, long story short, I had to do 1,400 push-ups. You heard me right. Mm. You heard me right. 1,400 push-ups to get my ID right. Now, by the grace of God, some of my teammates were allowed uh, to do the 1,400 push-ups with me. But, but here's, here's what I learned about that, though. Mm. As we talk about submission, what I learned that having the proper ID on me wasn't just about having identification. It was a demonstration of submission to authority. And as disciples of Christ who live out this commissioning of Jesus, that's what we're called to do, to live our lives as a demonstration of submission to the authority of Christ, to live our lives in adherence to the map that Jesus has put in place for us. That's good. I told Rodney before, I, I forgot my ID two weeks ago, coming through the gate as a 44-year-old and got chewed out. So at least you were a teenager. You have an excuse. <laughs> Oh, well, so the bottom, the moral of the story is pray for your pastors. Yes, That's the moral yes. of the story. Moral of the story. So our commander in chief, Jesus, he starts his commissioning ceremony here in our text by reminding his disciples by saying, he reminds them that I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, Chris talked about this a moment ago, that the word authority comes from the word author. And only the author of life has authority over all life. But what I need you to know is that this statement I have been giving all authority, what it also means is that the commission that follows is not a suggestion. Yeah. It's a command. Jesus is not suggesting that you and I go out and make disciples. This is a command from our commander in chief. Mm. So he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, in other words, he's been given all authority everywhere. And you and I, through this commissioning, we get to partner with him in the execution of his will being done in the earth. If you remember, if you were with us in our prayer series, we referenced what Jesus taught when he taught us how to pray. One of the things he taught us was, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So then, a central part of fulfilling or living out this great commission is constantly praying this because in order for us to make disciples, we must first surrender our hearts to his authority and allow his kingdom to come in our hearts 
first. Mm. So he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he starts verse 19 off with the word, therefore. Yeah. And we just want to teach you a couple more things today. Again, as we start this series, in the next several weeks we'll be in this passage. So I want to encourage you to continue to read it and meditate on it. Um, but, but Rodney mentioned the word, therefore. And whenever we see the word, therefore, in the scriptures, we should ask ourselves the question, what is, it what is it there for? Very good. That's great. What is it there for? So maybe just circle, underline that word or highlight it on your phone, therefore. And I want to show you just something really quickly. As Jesus uh, you know, finishes this statement about all the authority that he's been given by the Father in heaven and on earth, and he begins this, um, this great commission with, with his uh, understanding of authority that's been given to him and the right that he has over his followers— the way that this ends is Jesus saying, and I'll be with you always, you know, even to the ends of the ages. So I just want you to see really quickly here that Jesus begins his great commissioning, this, this duty and instruction to his church, his people, the mission to live by, the map to follow by saying, I want to give you authority and I want to give you my presence. And th that's what we operate under and in and through as we live out the Great Commission is the authority of Jesus and the presence of Jesus that never leaves us and that never forsakes us. And Jesus, you know, he uses that word therefore and what's going to follow here in verse 19 and 20 is unpacking. Here's the actual com uh, command. Here's the instruction. Here's the duty. And we're going to talk about that. But I want you to just hear this little phrase, uh, and I hope you'll never forget it, that Jesus is therefore answers the question, what are we here for? So when you circle, you underline that word, therefore. For some of you who wrestle with that question, and I think we all do in different moments and seasons of our life, I mean, what, what's my purpose? What's my mission? You know, what, why am I here? And, and, and remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago that God's plan for your life will always be connected to his purpose for all of life. In other words, his specific plan for your life is always going to be connected. I have this effect on people, I know, just, just what happens. So uh, God's plan will always be connected, always, always be connected in your life to his purpose for all of life. In other words, you're not going to find God's will for your life outside of his will for all of life. And so as we study this passage, this mission that he's given to the church, uh, it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a businessman, you're in government, you're in media, art, you're in education, you're in uh, medicine, whatever it might be, your profession, your vocation, what you do, all of that's going to be underneath this great mission that God's given to you, what you really do, which is going and making disciples. And so Jesus is therefore answers the question, what am I here for? And what follows the next couple of weeks as we unpack this is answering that question. And really what it comes down to is we're here to help other people find and follow Jesus just in the same way that others helped us to find and follow Jesus. The, the reality is this, guys, that you're sitting here today. You're sitting in the room where you are. You're watching from wherever you are. You're listening to this because someone helped to find you where you were and pull you to Jesus and helped you to learn how to follow Jesus. The word discipleship means to follow, to, to choose every single day to follow under the authority of Jesus and his command and instruction for you. And so when God called you, he had someone else in mind. Just like when God called someone else, he had someone else in mind. And, and on and on and on it goes to where we are today here in the church. So Jesus is therefore answers the question, what am I here for? 
And it's really, really easy, I think we would agree as we close here, it's really easy to forget that. And to get so busy with our plans and our, our, our specific profession, our worlds, to forget that God's called us to this common mission of making disciples, of helping people find and follow Jesus, who will go and help other people find and follow Jesus, and on and on and on until Jesus returns. It's easy to drift and forget that. You know, our opening story, that ship, it drifted for two years. Can you imagine being on there and being out of control and drifting for two years? off the map, off mission, it's easy to drift through life. It's easy to just drift and to not be purposeful about where you're going. I want to finish with this. Just think about mission drift. If you've you've heard that phrase before of, hey, I I heard the mission of Jesus. I I heard the the, the final instruction, but it's easy to leave here and then just, just continue to drift through life and and just sort of passively do what I want to do. Let me, let me throw up a, a mission statement. This was a founding mission statement of a really well-known institution. Uh, and I want you to hear it. This was, this was the way that they began. To be plainly instructed and consider well that the main end of your life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ. A great founding mission statement. Can you guess who that belongs to? Harvard University. Yo, mission drift is a real thing. <laughs> it's easy with a lot of good things to replace it with the great thing, the greatest of things, to help people find Jesus because in Jesus is life. And to help them follow Jesus, to come underneath his lordship and every day to submit to his will and his way. So here's the question. As we go throughout this series this month, here's the question. What if, what if New City made a great commitment to the Great Commission? What if each of us individually and as families said, we're going to make a great commitment to the Great Commission? We're going to take seriously these words that we've heard today. We're going to not only know them, but we're going to follow them. And we're going to help other people to find Jesus and follow Jesus. What would it look like, bottom line, for us to be a church that is about helping people find and follow Jesus? So many good things that we do as a church. So many good things. But the great thing, the greatest of things, are these final words that Jesus gave. To go and make disciples, to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, here's a a, a real practical application to that. One of the things that we're going to begin this year together as a a church is we want to, you know, not only just encourage people to learn information and, and, and have great community and and, and all the wonderful things that are a part of being in a, in a family of God, in a church. But we want to equip people to be disciple makers, to go and make disciples. And so we're, we're, we're launching a, a brand new initiative to do that. It's called New City Academy. And New City Academy is all about equipping people to be disciple makers, helping us to have the knowledge, the, the heart, and the practical skills to go into our workplace, our families, our neighborhoods, our groups, the circles of people that are in our relational world, and make disciples. And so we're launching it this September, and I wanted to tell you about it today, everybody here at New City. Um, we've got 100 spots for disciple makers. 
okay? And I just want to challenge you to pray about, is God calling you to make a commitment to going through this whole process and learning how to be a disciple maker? Not only just head knowledge, but also character, understanding, and just practical skills of how to share your faith and disciple other people. So many of us go through life as disciples of Jesus, never making another disciple, never discipling anyone else. And part of that is the responsibility of the church to equip you to do that. That's our responsibility, to equip the saints for ministry. So New City Academy is sort of a combination of Ephesians 4.12, equipping the saints for, for real ministry, to fulfill this great commission, and Matthew 28, 18 through 20, to, to go and keep the main thing, the main thing, and go and make disciples. So registration opens right now. Okay, so be glad you're at 9.30. All right, and so you can go to newcity.us slash academy uh, to get more information, and the link is live now to begin to register. It starts on September the 14th, and for this year, we're going to be hosting at the South Park location, but it's open to everybody in New City. Matthew, South Park, online, would love for you to come and be a part of this. We're going to be doing year one, an overview of the Old Testament. And so uh, myself and several others will be uh, kind of in a teaching team and leading that. There'll be a meal, childcare, uh, but beyond all those good things, the great thing is we want to equip you to, to be a disciple maker. So New City Academy uh, launching this fall. Excited about it. It's going to be great. And, and just again, as a reminder, it is open to everybody, no matter whether you call South Park home or Matthew's home. And I, I, want, I want to leave you with the statement that Chris said uh, that we heard last week, when God called you. He had somebody else in mind. Makes me think of Rodney Parker that led me to Christ. When God called him, he had me in mind. What a great opportunity for us to live this out to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, our Father in heaven, thank you for allowing us to be together today in this way. Thank you for what you've called us to. Thank you for loving us, for choosing us, and for commissioning us. Now, God, we pray that by faith, you would give us the courage to carry out our calling, to help people find and follow you. But we pray today, God, that you would start with us. Clear out any division in our hearts that we might surrender to your authority, that we might truly be disciple-making disciples for the good of others, and for your glory. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.